I want to take you on a little trip down memory lane, all the way back to 2005, when an eccentric movie star gave an infamous interview on the Today Show. Here's the problem. You don't know the history of psychiatry. I do. All it does is mask the problem, Matt. And if you understand the history of it, it masks the problem. That's what it does. That's all it does. You're not getting to the reason why. There is no such thing as a chemical imbalance. I'm saying that drugs aren't the answer, that these, these drugs are very dangerous. They're mind-altering, antipsychotic drugs. And there are ways of doing it without that so that we don't end up in a brave new world. Yes, there are abuses. And yes, maybe they've gone too far in certain areas. Maybe there are too many kids on Ritalin. Maybe electric shock Too many is, kids on Ritalin. Matt, I'm just saying, but, but aren't there Matt, examples where it Matt, works? Matt, Matt, you, you don't even, you're glib. You don't even know what Ritalin is. If you start talking about chemical imbalance, you have to evaluate and read the research papers on how they came up with these theories, Matt. Okay? That's what I've done. And you go and you say, where's the, where's the medical test? For that interview, Tom Cruise was turned into a national laughingstock. He nearly lost his career, and he was called crazy. Crazy, not like everyone in Hollywood is crazy, which they are, but especially crazy. Crazy because he contradicted the medical establishment, which had been making money hand over fist, slinging depression pills to treat an alleged chemical imbalance in the brain. On the one side of the issue, you had a kooky, weirdo movie star. On the other side, you had the entire public health authority. Guess who was right? A new meta-analysis that has just come out, looking at studies involving tens of thousands of people, has concluded that the chemical imbalance theory is completely bogus. Most depression pills are what is called selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, SSRIs, which are said to work by correcting abnormally low serotonin levels. This scientific review, which was published in the journal Molecular Psychiatry, finds, quote, no clear evidence that low serotonin levels are responsible for depression. In the words of the study's lead author, a psychiatry professor at University College London, and consultant psychiatrist at Northeast London NHS Foundation Trust, quote, many people take antidepressants because they believe and have been led to believe their depression has a biochemical cause. But this new research suggests this belief is not grounded in evidence. After a vast amount of research conducted over several decades, there is no convincing evidence that depression is caused by serotonin abnormalities, particularly by lower levels or reduced activity of serotonin. Now, this seems like a pretty important finding for the 85 to 90% of the public that, according to surveys, believes in the chemical imbalance theory. This seems like a really big finding for the millions of Americans, one in eight, who take these depression pills to correct a chemical imbalance that apparently does not exist. For the one in 29 American teenagers and younger who have been prescribed these drugs under false pretenses. And it's good that after decades of pharmaceutical companies peddling these drugs, often through incessant TV commercials touting the theory and minimizing the considerable side effects, it's good that now it's come out that there was never any scientific evidence for the theory. That's good. Better late 
than never. But it leaves one nagging question. How did Tom Cruise know this back in 2005? How did a guy whose job it is to look good on camera know more about psychiatry than the entire medical establishment and mainstream media 17 years before this analysis came out? Forget Tom Cruise for a second. Forget the depression drugs for a second. How is it? How is it that a bunch of weirdo bloggers and fringy tweeters and Alex Jones a frequently shirtless radio host who yells into a microphone. How is it that all those people have a much better record on COVID and the vaccines than say Dr. Fauci, Rochelle Walensky, the World Health Organization, and the entire public health establishment? How is it that I, okay, not uh, I don't, you know, I hate to say I told you so. How is it that I, a guy with no higher education than a bachelor's in history and Italian poetry, how is it that I, and most of you, most of whom do not have medical degrees, how is it that every single time we contradicted the public health establishment and their propagandists in the press and big tech on COVID over the past few years, on the Wuhan lab, on mortality rates, on the danger to young people, on the efficacy of the vaccines against infection, on the efficacy of the vaccines against transmission, on the relation between vaccines and menstruation, on the risks of the mRNA technology, the list goes on and on, on every single part of it. How is it that we were always right and the authorities were always wrong? Ignorance on their part? Malice? Greed? Indifference, perhaps? Whatever it is, it turns out that the people our establishment has maligned as crazy for decades were right all along. And the only people who seem crazy today are the ones who still think those authorities have even one ounce of credibility. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Cool Papa J Magic. Who I have to meet this guy. Cool Papa J Magic has had so many of my favorite comments. He says, I love what Michael's saying here. People are not taught anymore that demons are real. Satan too, and even God for that matter. We are in complete disorder. I see what you're saying, which is they're not even taught that God is real. But the way it sounds is, and even God is real, even in addition to those things, when of course God is the most real. God is the source and summit of all being, being himself. Uh, but you're right. You're right. Those things are real. As Antonin Scalia said, many more intelligent people than you and I have believed in the devil. Uh, those, those things are real. That, that spiritual world, those spiritual realities are real. Certainly, certainly much more real than chemical imbalances in the brain. We just got to communicate that to people. When you want to communicate with people, you got to check out Podium. Right now, go to podium.com slash Knowles. From supply chain issues to increased demand on top of everything else that business owners have to manage, the businesses who are thriving right now are the ones that are forward thinking. Podium helps your small business stay ahead of the curve with modern messaging tools that make it easy for your customers to connect with your business. It is the year of our Lord 2022. Start doing business like the companies that are winning. From healthcare providers to plumbers, over 100,000 businesses are texting with customers through Podium. Customers love the convenience. Businesses love the results. I'll give you an example. One car dealer just sold a $50,000 truck in four text messages. 
That's it. Super simple. That's how people communicate in their daily lives. Businesses have to be there too. With Podium's all-in-one inbox, you can do even more than just chat. Get more online reviews by sending an easy-to-use link, collect payments fast from anywhere, and send marketing campaigns that actually get a response, all by sending a quick text. See how Podium can grow your business. Watch a demo today at podium.com slash Knowles. That is podium.com slash K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Podium. Let's grow. Speaking of sickness, Joe Biden has COVID. The president of the United States has COVID, so announced the White House doctor. White House doctor Kevin O'Connor said in a memo that the president is, quote, currently experiencing mild symptoms, mostly rhinorrhea, which is not a word that anyone should use. There's no reason to use it. Just, that means runny nose. Did you know that? It's a much, that's a gross word. No one should use that. Uh, he's experiencing rhinorrhea and fatigue with an occasional dry cough, which started yesterday evening. So the good news is, seriously, I'm not being facetious or anything here. It's good. I'm, gl- I'm glad. Joe Biden is a fellow human being. We hope he makes a full recovery. I'm glad that he's apparent, apparently it's experiencing mild symptoms. Can't help but notice, though, that it's a little bit ironic that Joe Biden got the virus because, you know, I won't even explain it. I will take you on a little journey. Here is a play in three acts. You're okay. You're not going to. You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Yeah. Okay, there he is. He's getting a shot. Okay. See him there. Hey, folks. Guess you heard this morning. I tested positive for COVID, but I've been double vaccinated, double boosted. Symptoms are mild, and uh, and I really appreciate your inquiries and your concerns. He got COVID. He got COVID. He said, if you get the vaccine, you can't get COVID. And then he got the vaccine and then he got a bunch of boosters and then, then he got COVID. Shouldn't he have to answer for that? Shouldn't he, he spread fake news. He, he spread medical misinformation. People will lose their careers for that these days. (laughs) They will be deplatformed for that. Don't the, don't the libs broadly, Biden in particular, but he can't answer anything. Don't the libs broadly have to answer for that? But they're not giving any answers at all. Here's another question people are asking. Where did Biden catch COVID? You remember during the Trump years, when, when Trump got COVID, there was one time at CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference, uh, COVID spread at CPAC. Coincidentally, I happened to be in the green room where COVID spread. And because there were a number of high, very high profile administration people there, I, I ended up getting put on a bunch of lists where they said, don't, don't go anywhere near Michael because Kellyanne Conway and uh, uh, Ted Cruz was there. And there were a number of other key administration people. And they said, these awful people, they were in the room, stay away from them. This is a super spreader. Conservatives are so irresponsible. Well, okay. Where did Biden catch it? What super spreader event was he at? The White House won't answer. Where was he infected? I, I don't think we know. Um, I certainly don't know if you, if you have any thoughts I, on I, it. Look, I, I don't think that that matters, right? I think what matters is we prepared for this moment. I think what matters uh, is what Dr. Jha just laid out. Uh, if we look at where we were, were a year and a half ago, this is a president, when he walked in, one of his first priorities was to make sure we had a comprehensive plan to get people vaccinated. And so now today, look, look to today, more and more people are getting closer to having a more normal life. Uh, vaccines are available. And as Dr. Jha said, if you have not gotten 
been vaccinated, please do. If you have not, if you're if you have not gotten boosted, please do. Uh, these are uh, these are treatments that are going to keep you safe, and I think that's what matters here is making sure that we continue to do the work. And the good thing is that uh, the president again has been uh, uh, vaccinated and double boosted. That's the really important thing. Because could you imagine if he hadn't been vaccinated and boosted? By golly, he might have gotten COVID. They, he said the thing. The White House said the thing that they always say whenever the libs who said that if you get the vaccine, you won't get COVID. And then they get COVID and they say, well, thank goodness I'm vaccinated and boosted. By golly, could you imagine how bad it would be if I, if I hadn't been vaccinated and boosted? No, I can't imagine. I have no reason to believe that it would be worse, actually. Because you people, the, the very same people, who told me with such certainty, you will not get the virus if you take the vaccine. You will not transmit the virus if you get the vaccine. You are the very same people who are telling me, yeah, well, anyway, in this kind of unfalsifiable way, it, it would definitely be worse, so get, get the vaccine anyway. I, I don't know, folks. I don't know. When you're, when you're wrong about pretty much every major public health question, and when you lie in some cases, I just, I'm not so inclined to believe you. I want, I want to I want to speak to people directly, okay? I don't want to I don't want to have to get my information filtered through these kinds of people. When I want to talk to my friends directly, I use PureTalk. Right now go to puretalk.com enter promo code Knowles podcast. You need to switch to PureTalk for a couple of reasons. One, because Americans are getting pinched right now. The cost of everything is going up and unbelievably, you can save two-thirds on your cell phone. You can, right, what are you paying right now? 80, 90 bucks a month, and you, you are paying it to those same three or four big cell phone companies. What if I told you you can get the same quality talk, text, data for way, way less money if you switch to Pure Talk? Same phones, same highest end, coolest phones. It's just amazing. Same fabulous 5G network. So that's one reason you got to switch. It's, you're just throwing money out the window right now. People can't afford to do that right now. The other reason is Pure Talk sponsors the voice mailbag, which is my favorite segment of the show. These guys are great supporters of the show. They've, uh, they're a veteran-owned company with a customer service team right here in America. As American as apple pie, go to puretalk.com right now. Select a plan, enter promo code Knowles Podcast, and on top of the already amazing savings, you can save 50% on your first month. Switch over today. It takes less than 10 minutes, which is insane. I know it's insane because we've been so battered around by the cell phone companies. Pure Talk will make it super easy, save you a lot of money. Promo code Knowles Podcast, K-N-W-L-E-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, all one word at puretalk.com. Speaking of being sick in the head, a second grade teacher has just uh, posted, I, I assume this was a TikTok. Was this Libs of TikTok? Of course. Libs of TikTok, the, one of the greatest journalistic outlets around today. Uh, there's a second grade teacher who has some sort of queer identity, and she just posted a really amazing story. Her entire second grade class just came out to her as transgender. Okay, so it took a couple of days for me to make this TikTok um, without crying, because that's what I do. Um, please ignore the dog bone crunching behind me. Anyhow, um, one of my students uh, felt safe enough to share his pronouns with me. And when he did so, once the class knew that I knew, they all switched pronouns. They're second graders. Like I'm torn between being really, really happy to be a safe space and just absolutely furious that an entire group of second graders has to keep this secret from not safe people. 
why are kids feeling unsafe? And furthermore, why does everyone talk about how, how are the kids gonna understand? The kids understand it. It's easy for them. It's the adults who have all of the frigging issues and hangups and bullshit. Kids are fine. So this woman said one true thing in that statement she, when she said it's the adults who have the hangups and the issues. Yes. One adult in particular in this situation has a lot of hangups and issues and is very confused about her sex and the relationship that she's supposed to have to students, to little kids who are not her kids, and the relationship that those kids are supposed to have to their parents who she derides as unsafe people. Does this woman seriously believe that her entire class of second graders, what is a second grader? Seven years old? You're five years old in kindergarten. You're seven years old. An entire class of seven-year-olds. All of them were born in the wrong body. All of them, 100% of seven-year-olds who look like boys, they're actually secretly girls. And the ones who look like girls are actually secretly boys. And that's, do you think that's the explanation? Or do you think they just have a weirdo teacher who is confusing them? Which do you think it is? Obviously, I mean, none of you. If you're listening to the show, you definitely have some common sense. You, you know what the answer is. I don't know what that woman believes. I, you know, it's hard for me to believe that she could be so stupid as to think that an entire class of seven-year-olds just happens to all have this very, very rare psychological condition, this sexual delusion where you think you're the opposite sex. I, she must know. She must realize that what she's doing is pushing a radical sexual agenda. That really is a cult. It is a weird Gnostic religious movement that makes very outlandish claims about human nature and who we are and the relationship that the soul has to the body. And like all cults, tells kids to cut off their parents, tells people to cut out their family. Your family is awful. Your family, they're, they're trying to harm you. They're, they're, they're not as enlightened as we are. Just talk to us. Talk to us about your sexuality, kids. Don't, and you know, that's the other thing about cults is they always have a weird sexual component. 99 times out of 100, that cult leader is getting frisky with the ladies in the cult. I don't know, it's so strange how all these prophets, all these, all these modern day prophets and religious leaders and cult leaders, how they always seem to have uh, how uh, they're always getting messages from, from beyond this realm to sleep with all the ladies. Isn't that kind of weird? And, and you're getting a similar effect here with these groomers. It's just a cult. And the question is, do, do you, in the name of equality and tolerance and open-mindedness and liberality, need to tolerate a publicly funded institution to which you send your children to send them into a cult? A weird creepy sex cult that teaches them to hate their parents and to disbelieve reality and to hate their own bodies. Do you, do you think you have to do that? I don't think you do. I think the teachers should be fired. I think these ideologies should be banned from schools. I think the books that peddle these ideologies should be banned from schools. They should be burned, okay? I'm going to go a little further. Let's go all the way. <laughs> All right. Book burning has a long history in Western civilization. Plato supported book burning. The apostles supported book burning. Certain Catholic theologians supported book burning. The leading Protestant theologians supported book burning. I don't love Martin Luther. He's not my main man. He supported book burning too. We've had lots of this in early America. They supported book burning. <laughs> now, I'm not 
I'm not suggesting that we take this so far. I actually, I'm a very open-minded person. I really like tolerance. I tolerate all sorts of crazy ideas. I talk to radicals all the time. But there, there is a difference between being a kind of open-minded, interesting, tolerant person who, who is curious about other ideas and supporting with your taxpayer dollars a weirdo cult that indoctrinates your kids in the sacred texts of this insane leftist religious ideology. Okay, there's a big difference here, and we don't need to tolerate that, and we don't need to t- tolerate these weirdos turning their kid, turning the students in their class against their parents. You don't have, you can just fire them. We have the political right to do that. Do we have the political will? I'm not so sure, but we do have the political right to do that. Speaking of weird sex stuff in public health, monkeypox is spreading like, not like wildfire, it's spreading actually very, very slowly, but it is spreading in America, and it's spreading specifically in, on the coasts in very liberal cities among homosexual men. That's where it's spreading. And the LA Times has figured out why monkeypox is spreading. The LA Times has a headline, why are we botching the monkeypox response? Blame homophobia. This uh, guy, Senator Scott Weiner, who is a state senator in San Francisco, uh, he says, we are on our own as always. His name is Weiner. Just going to leave that there. We are on our own as always. We can't count on anyone else. Rampant homophobia is why why monkeypox is spreading. That is not true. Monkeypox is spreading because certain gay men are having orgies, and they just shouldn't. Just don't do that. If they didn't do that, they wouldn't catch monkeypox. What they're suggesting here is that we need to mobilize our entire public health apparatus to take on the monkeypox issue. Why don't we have enough vaccines? Because there is no monkeypox vaccine. Because the the vaccine that people are getting against monkeypox is actually a smallpox vaccine. And why don't we have a monkeypox vaccine? Because monkeypox was never a big issue, and it's only spreading right now because of a Belgian fetish conference and Spanish bathhouses for gay men. And if they didn't go to the bathhouses and they didn't go to the weird fetish orgies, there there wouldn't be monkeypox spreading around, okay? It would still be confined to Zaire and a few small places in Africa that have been dealing with this problem for about 50 years, but it hasn't really spread too much. It hasn't become a massive problem. Let's let's go further. Maybe they'll say, well, look, we we were able to gin up the entire public health apparatus to, to create a COVID vaccine. You saw how well that turned out. Why can't we do that to create a monkeypox vaccine? Why can't we do that to... Mo- well, because COVID spread like wildfire, it infected pretty much everybody. It could be pretty tough on certain vulnerable populations. It shut down the world in terms of the governments shutting down the economies. And so there, there was a pretty good political argument for that. And, and you couldn't avoid having COVID by changing your personal behavior. That, that was one of the ironies of COVID is people thought that by wearing a special mask or by t- even taking a special shot, they would avoid getting COVID. And that didn't happen. Pretty much everybody has had COVID and lots of people have had COVID multiple times. I've had COVID multiple times. I, I suspect many of you have as well. Monkeypox is not the same. You can avoid getting monkeypox. You're not, you're not going to get it by riding the subway. You're not going to get it by going to work. You're not going to get it by going to the store. Don't have gay orgies and you won't get monkeypox. That's it. But we are told in our society, you're not allowed to say that. You're not allowed to, to recommend that people not have gay orgies. That, that's a political right 
Gay orgies are a natural right. That's why James Madison wrote the Constitution was to enshrine the right to Belgian fetish conferences. So if you'd, uh, you, you have the right to keep and bear leather ball gags or something. No, you don't. None of that is a right. We absolutely, as a political community, can discourage that sort of thing. And we should discourage that sort of thing. And it would do a hell of a lot more for the public health than most of the COVID response and, and the shenanigans that Big Pharma has been up to for the past several decades. No question. Speaking of weird sex stuff, speaking of sexual rights, the House of Representatives, the Democrats are taking on the real big issues. The Democrats have just put up the Right to Contraception Act, the right, the right to Condoms Bill. Right now we've got record high inflation. We've got the first major war in Europe in 70 years. We've got record high illegal immigration, millions of foreign nationals pouring across our border. We still have the public health issues of the, the hangover from COVID. We've got all these problems. And they say, you know the big issue? Condoms. Do you, does anyone have trouble getting condoms in America or the pill or any of that? No, it's everywhere. It's, every, it's ubiquitous. But the Right to Contraception Act would, quote, protect a person's ability to access contraceptives and to engage in contraception and to protect a healthcare provider's ability to provide contraceptives, contraception and information related to contraception. They're doing this because uh, abortion was a big loser for the Dems and they couldn't argue against the Dobbs decision and they couldn't really argue against the overruling of Roe v. Wade and it doesn't poll very well. So they're trying to make that decision about other issues that are not at risk. They're trying to make that decision about the redefinition of marriage in Obergefell. They're trying to make that issue about the constitutional right so discovered in, in Lawrence v. Texas to homosexual sodomy. They're trying to make it about Griswold v. Connecticut and Eisenstadt v. Baird, which discovered somewhere in the Constitution in 1965 and 1972 the right, the elusive right, to put on a condom, first with, for married couples and then for non-married couples too. Don't know where that one was in the text, probably between the emanations and the penumbras written in the invisible ink. And so they're trying to make it about that. But the court in the Dobbs decision said explicitly, we are not revisiting any of those issues, contraception, homosexual sodomy, even marriage. We're not revisiting any of those. Clarence Thomas in his concurrence said we should revisit those things perhaps. He couldn't get any other justice to sign on. None of these things are at risk whatsoever. They are all ubiquitously available. But the Dems have to tilt at windmills because they can't, they can't run any, anything else for the midterms. Intelligent, loyal, wise, dignified Republicans would, would call this out for what it is, say this is such a BS, ridiculous distraction, I'm not going to vote for it. And then you've got the squishes. And then you've got the squishes. So you've, you, there were two Republicans who voted present on the bill. My problem isn't even with them. People should have voted no on the bill. But my problem isn't even with the two Republicans who voted present. My problem is with the eight Republicans who voted yes. Number one on the list, you can guess. What, who do you think she is? Liz Cheney of Wyoming. Liz Cheney says, yes, we absolutely need to enshrine the right to condoms and birth control and all that. Anthony Gonzalez, John Katko, Adam Kinzinger, Brian Fitzpatrick, Nancy Mace, Fred Upton, and Maria Salazar. I am really glad that Republicans have wised up since the last stupid, ridiculous Democrat trap vote the one on, on enshrining the redefinition of marriage. I'm glad 47 Republicans voted for that. Then I read their names on this show and I think they're just absolutely very disappointing people. Okay. 
I'm glad that that number went from 47 to 8 since, since we read those names. But these eight, I mean, these guys are just completely worthless in politics. They, they should be removed from the Republican Party. If, if the numbers are anywhere near right for what we're looking at in the midterm elections, the Republicans are going to have a way bigger than eight-seat majority. So these guys, we should th- throw them out of the party. I mean, a, a lot of them aren't coming back. Liz Cheney is almost certainly going to lose. Adam Kinzinger is certainly not going to come back. So there, there are a lot of people like that, but it's pathetic. Now, there's the Democrat view, which is that, to, to get into the actual issue of contraception, is the Democrat view that we have an absolute constitutional right to condoms and birth control. That's just not true. Even if you like condoms and birth control pills and IUDs and all that stuff, it's not in the Constitution, right? If it were in the Constitution, how come it took until 1965 to discover it? And how come in 1965, when the Supreme Court discovered this alleged right, how come they said, no, the right only exists for married couples? And it took another seven years for the court to, I don't know, they got out a bigger magnifying glass in the Constitution. They said, oh no, actually, uh, no, we missed it. In this paragraph, it's for unmarried couples too. Yeah, it's right there. It's really deep in the substantive due process. You know that contradiction in terms, that ridiculous liberal legal theory that has, that has allowed the libs to shred the Constitution. So even if you support it, it's obviously not in the Constitution, right? But a really popular view, even among some conservatives, is, look, birth control, it's not in the Constitution, but it's a good thing. Birth control is a good thing. We should support it. It's great. If we don't want to have abortions, we got to have birth control. As though, the, as though you can only have one or the other. As though, as, as though you at least need to have one of those things. And th- that's a popular view. Uh, but here's my unpopular view in some quarters. Birth control is bad. It's a bad thing and we should discourage it. I'm not saying pass a national ban. I'm not saying that that's not going to happen like the Democrats are yelling about. But it's a bad thing. Can we all agree it's a bad thing? No, maybe we can't all agree that. Well, what about if we, if we look at the history of birth control? You ever look into just Google, like, what's the history of birth control? Birth control, the modern birth control movement, comes in the 19-teens, and it was popularized by Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood. It was a eugenicist movement to allegedly improve the race by stopping undesirable people from producing kids. That's what it was for. It specifically, it was aimed at, at uh, cutting the black population and the population of people with a lower IQ, all those stupid idiots, they shouldn't be able to have kids. That was what it was for. That's what it was popularized for. Margaret Sanger, I think, coined the term birth control. Do do you think that campaigns that were initiated by Margaret Sanger, by one of the worst human beings ever in the history of our country, do you think that they're all just like totally hunky-dory? There's not a chance that maybe there's something a little bit wrong with them? Furthermore, don't you think that some of the side effects of birth control have been sort of bad for our country, like, uh, for instance, uh, encouraging a culture of promiscuous sex, which has hurt women. It's led to this, what, what they call the rape culture, the Me Too movement. It's, it's hurt men, too, by causing them to just uh, become unaccountable, irresponsible. It's caused people to delay marriage quite a lot. It's destroyed the birth rate in the United States. We've had a below-replacement birth rate for 50 years now, where the country is literally dying. That's not, that's probably not good either. It severs the connection between sex and procreation. That can't be a great thing. And it's just kind of anti-human, right? That's what, that's what those movements, that's what Planned Parenthood was all about. It's just, we, we want fewer people. People are a kind of pox and plague on the planet. And so we've got to have fewer people. We don't like all these people. And, and the public health authority really got behind that. 
you know, the public health authority that's gotten pretty much everything wrong. Don't you think? I'm just asking you. I'm not saying you've got to totally come out and oppose birth control right now. I'm just saying if you kind of think through it in a way that's not totally reflexive and you're not, if you just think, it's probably not a great thing, right? It's probably not a great thing. And I, I, I hope that conservatives start to get a little bit, so especially these Republicans in the House, I, think, I hope they start to get a little bit deeper in their thought about how, how we're talking about these kinds of things. And I just hope that the Republicans stop being the Democrats from 10 years ago. Okay, I hope that the Republicans are saying birth control is a great thing. I hope, I don't, I don't want to have a Republican party that, that extols the virtues of Margaret Sanger and the eugenicists. You know, I just don't think that's, I want a choice, not an echo. I'm not, if I'm going to vote for two parties and my choices are the Democrats or Democrats from 10 years ago, I just, I don't even really want to vote. I want a choice. I want a different view of the world that I can vote for. I want a conservative view of the world that I can vote for. You know, we're coming up on the first month anniversary of the launch of Daily Wire Plus, which is a huge milestone. We could not have done that without you. Pat yourself on the back. If you are wondering what to watch this weekend, here are our top three choices. Obviously, it's Matt Walsh's documentary, What is a Woman? It's a phenomenal documentary, took the world by storm. Uh, then, in honor of his impending retirement, we've got what I think is the greatest piece of content there on the Daily Wire Plus platform, the Fauci Unmasked docuseries, which goes into detail on all the facts of Dr. Fauci's life that the liberal media have covered up. And then for a little palate cleanser, just a, join Ben for Ben Shapiro's book club filmed in Israel as he explores Leon Uris' historical novel and international bestseller, Exodus the compelling story of an American nurse, an Israeli freedom fighter, and the rebirth of a nation. There is so much to watch. Head on over to dailywireplus.com. Become a member today. Get 35% off your new membership. That is dailywireplus.com. We'll be right back with a lot more. Here we go, my absolute favorite time of the week when I get to hear from you in the mailbag sponsored by Pure Talk. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, enter promo code Knowles Podcast to save 50% off your first month. All right, before we get to the written mailbag questions, we have my favorite, the voice mailbag questions. Take it away. Hi, Michael. My name is Lizzie and I love your show. I was just wondering your thoughts on why people, especially obviously the liberals and these woke people, why exactly do they say that Trump is the worst person or the worst president in all of history and everything bad is because of Trump and Trump ruined the world and blah, blah, blah. Like, obviously, I understand that, you know, he's not this politician who's, you know, pretending to be the best friend of everyone. Like, I think Joe Biden kind of does that. Obviously, Obama does that. I think that's fake and that's BS. And honestly, I kind of like how Trump was more real. But is that why they don't like him? Is it because like he did like the Muslim ban or things like that scandal where like locker room talk? I'm just curious, like, obviously, you can't question liberals. But why do they think this exactly? They hate Trump in particular because Trump offered an actual alternative to the uniparty consensus and because he was relatively very effective. The Republicans and the Democrats support different things. They have different policy prescriptions to some degree. 
They seem to be in opposition, but very often the parties work together. For instance, a lot of Republicans talked a good game on immigration, but they secretly supported immigration. And the reason for that is because their donors in the Chamber of Commerce want the cheap labor. And another reason for that is they want to keep the entitlement programs solvent. And you can't do that. We were just talking about uh, abortion and contraception in our dying population that we've had for 50 years. You need a massive influx of immigrants if you want to keep those programs afloat and you want to keep the GDP where it's at or growing. So the Democrats want mass migration because it gives them an electoral advantage, usually gives them an electoral advantage. And the Republicans say they don't want mass migration, but they never do anything to stop mass migration because they benefit, and, uh, and in particular, their donors benefit. That would be one, one example. When you get to something like abortion, there are a lot of elected Republicans who might have talked a good game on abortion, but they didn't actually do the things that would be necessary to stop abortion in America. One reason for that is they, they were able to fundraise very well off of abortion. On issues like American manufacturing, the American worker, Democrats sold out the American worker a long time ago when they adopted a, a full-throated globalism and outsourced a lot of jobs. Republicans did the very same thing. So on an issue like free trade and outsourcing, the Republicans and the Democrats pretty much agreed with one another. And on and on and on. And then Trump comes in there. And on immigration, he actually offered a different answer. Some significantly different than what you were hearing from other Republicans. He actually said, I'm going to build the wall. I'm going to deport people. I'm going to make it more difficult for people to come over. And in the early days of the Trump administration, you saw mass migration decrease dramatically. On an issue like free trade, he offered a totally different answer on free trade and tariffs than the Uniparty had offered. So that really bugged them. Democrats are fine with Republicans who are court jester conservatives, who put up a little bit of a show of opposition, but they actually, when push comes to shove, they just concede. They, they lose with dignity. They don't have any dignity, but they say, we're going to lose with dignity, okay? And, and that's fine by them. The Democrats are okay with it. They'll pretend that they, they hate them, but really they're okay. The, the Liz Cheney's, the Adam Kinzinger's, the Mitt Romney's, those kinds of people. When a Republican comes out and is effective and offers an actual alternative, they're especially going to hate that Republican. They're always going to hate the current Republican. Whoever the current Republican is, is going to be Hitler. And the past Republicans, they're going to have more of a strange new respect for. But Trump is a little bit different because Trump, probably just by virtue of his lack of, of elected political experience, he just came in and he said, oh, I thought we actually believed all the things we say we believe. I'm going to actually do them. <laughs> and the Republican establishment said, no, no, that's just the thing we say on the campaign trail. You can't actually do that stuff. And uh, that, that in particular aroused the ire of Dems. Next question. Hello again, Nostradamus. Last month, I sent a voicemail back asking for advice to my friend who wants to have a baby with or without a man. I agree with everything that you said and your thoughts were really what I wanted to say, but I couldn't articulate them well. I told her ahead of time that I agree with everything that you said and I recorded your response and sent it to her. She told me she showed the video to her therapist. Her therapist doesn't agree with her being selfish because in his view, it's not selfish for her to want a child. I feel like her therapist is too affirming to be a therapist or even talk about logistics and morality in this case. Now she tells me that she has a fear of men and is still going to follow her own schedule with the artificial insemination. She's had less than desirable boyfriends over the years and I feel like it skewed her view of men and how she values herself. Despite that, she truly does want to get married one day to a man who will come in and value her. She's expressed this to me and I wish I could be there for her and support her without being the yes girl. I know it's not my place because I'm not her parents. She's working on her relationship with her parents again, but as her friend, I don't know what to do. Thank you for your advice and love the show. Great question. Why would, the thing you should ask her is, 
why she would bring this question to her therapist. Why would her therapist have anything to say about this? Why, why would she bring a question of morality and bioethics to a psychologist or a psychiatrist? That would be like bringing a question about astrophysics to me. I don't know. I don't know anything about astrophysics. In as much as I have any expertise at all, it's not in astrophysics. So why would you ask me? Likewise, the psychologist's job is to, well, <laughs> we've been a little harsh on psychologists on the show today, haven't we? Because Tom Cruise was more correct than the entire psychiatric establishment for 17 years. But, but beyond that, let, let's say, because I, I, I actually do think some psychologists uh, can do important work. Drew Clavin says his life was saved by a psychologist, not by people just selling pills, but by actual talk therapy. So in, in as much as a psychologist has expertise, it's on the way that your psyche works and the way that you think about yourself and, and the way that your, your mind is perceiving the world and your role in the world, right? But the, the psychologist doesn't know a damn thing, or by, by virtue of his education, doesn't know a damn thing about morality or sexual ethics or the relationship of a mother to her child in a sort of grand moral scheme. She doesn't know anything about that. She really should be bringing that question to a priest or a pastor, but I, maybe your friend doesn't have a priest or a pastor. She should be uh, thinking of that question through the view of moral philosophers, through perhaps the view of the Bible, may I suggest. Uh, but today, we, because we live in a therapeutic culture, because we live in a culture that ignores objective reality, that frequently denies the objective moral order, that thinks that priests are just a bunch of witch doctors and charlatans and shamans, we, we make everything about psychology and psychiatry because that just makes it all about us and we think that we're the only people in the world. But if you look at the record, especially of the psychiatric establishment for the, for the I don't know, for the past hundred years, but especially for the past couple of decades, who are the shamans here? Who are the witch doctors? Who are the quacks? It ain't the priests. Okay. It, it ain't the moral philosophers. I think it's the people peddling the therapeutic society. Next question. Good morning, Smokey Mike. This is Julia, your number one fangirl. Today, I have a little bit more of a serious question. My best friend is planning on working at BP starting August 1st as an engineer. This will be her first uh, job as an engineer. However, she just found out that BP is paying for its employees' abortions. She's a very devout Catholic, very pro-life. She wouldn't even get the Fauci-ouchie because of the abortion um, connections that it had. So you can just imagine her moral qualms in this situation as well. My question is, do you think that it would be morally okay for her to work at BP while they're paying for their employees' abortions, or should she seek employment elsewhere? Thank you so much. I look forward to your answer. Short answer is, I do think it would be morally okay, but it is a moral question. The reason I think it's okay is because we're, we're discussing not a direct uh, engagement with evil, but an indirect participation with evil. You're working for a company and the company has a certain insurance policy and the insurance policy covers travel for people who want to go get abortions, so, which is very, very bad, but it's pretty indirect. Uh, I, I suspect most companies in the country, if not the vast majority of companies in the country, have similar policies. 
or will in, institute similar policies in the wake of the Dobbs decision. I, I think the government, I'm certain the government has that policy. Many government, so does that mean that it's, it would be immoral to work a government job? I, I don't necessarily think so. The military pays for abortions. Does that mean it's immoral to serve in the American military? At a certain, at a certain point, uh, I think the, the participation is so indirect and the, and the presence of this is so ubiquitous that uh, it would be licit to do so. Uh, but should she? I don't know. I mean, that, that's a question for her. What, what degree of participation in evil is she willing to tolerate to exist in the world? Uh, I, if, if my company... If I were working for a company that were going out and promoting abortion, sponsoring Planned Parenthood, donating lots of money to Planned Parenthood, having them, I, I probably would quit and go to a company that was a little bit more sane. But if we're talking about essentially insurance policies and benefits, I just don't know how you can avoid that in the modern world. And as long as the, the participation is indirect, perhaps it's tolerable. All right. Last voicemail back question. Hello, Michael. I'm not a longtime listener. I'm not a fan. In fact, I do not support your work in any way. My name is Dr. Ann Lesby, and I am a gender studies professor at ACL University. When I am not educating in the classroom, I dedicate my free time to educating the ignorant on Twitter and exposing dangerous right-wing transphobic fascists such as yourself. Here's my question. Considering the havoc you wreak daily, on vulnerable groups such as drag children's performers and sex workers of color, how do you sleep at night? Really great, great question, Anne Lesby, Dr. Lesby. Uh, one of my favorite Twitter accounts, I, I would encourage anyone who is not al- already following Dr. Lesby, uh, Dr. Lesby, Anne, to uh, follow her account. <laughs> I'm really glad to hear your voice. That's, that's great. How do I sleep at night? Uh, with the great comfort of a Helix mattress. That, that is how I sleep at night. Uh, let's get to some written mailbag before we go. Question from Caden. I am a Christian white man who knows I'm a man and I'm in need of some advice. About to start my freshman year of college, I'll be staying in the dorms because my scholarship will help pay for that. Problem is that I got an email from one of my assigned suite mates telling me that she is transgender. This is a girl who thinks she's a boy in the boys' dorms, meaning I would have to share a bathroom with this person. There's no way that I'm going to room with this person. Do you have any advice on how I should proceed without getting canceled and losing the scholarships I have? I'm an all-access member from uh, Oklahoma. Love the show. Thank you for everything that you are doing on the culture front. Tricky question. I guess I would file for a religious exemption. Uh, It's silly that you have to make this a religious matter, but transgenderism is a religious matter, and that's not your religion. You have a a different religion, I imagine. And so uh, that's what I would would ask for. And I would do it politely. I wouldn't make a big stink and start protesting before you even make it to campus. He who pays the piper calls the tune, and the university is paying for this stuff. Uh, But I agree with you. I I think that situation is probably intolerable. And uh, so uh, I wouldn't do it. It's It's just wrong. Men and women should not be living in the same sweet together, no matter what their professed sexual desires are, so, or their gender identity or whatever. Uh, so I would do that. I would, this is one where I think you probably catch more bees with honey than with vinegar. Uh, but I, I would hold your ground on this and, and maybe start looking at some backup plans too, would be, would be my, it's always good to be prepared. Always good to have an off ramp. Okay. 
That's our show. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Have a good weekend. I'll see you on Monday. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Cherokee Hart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Hey everybody, this is Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. You know, some people are depressed because the republic is collapsing, the end of days is approaching, and the moon's turned to blood. But on The Andrew Claven Show, that's where the fun just gets started. So come on over to The Andrew Claven Show and laugh your way through the fall of the republic with me, Andrew Claven. <laughs>